Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin now. Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. And welcome to Frankie Sense and More. I am your host, Frankie Picasso. Riding shotgun with me today is one of my favorite co-hosts, Arlie, is in the house. Hey, Arlie, how you doing? Great. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And also today we have some fantastic guests I can't wait for you to meet, but you're going to have to wait just a second. We have Mark the Vet, a.k.a. Mark Abraham, is with us. 15-year-old Nashville sensation Chloe Collins is here, and we're expecting Gabrielle Myers, the author of Hive, Man, Hive Mind. Excuse me. So she should be coming along shortly, too. Yesterday, Arlie, you know I was struggling uh, what to open the show with. <laughs> I flipped a few topics, as you know. We went from creativity to world events. And this morning I thought, no, maybe I should just talk about Christmas gifts or something. But you know what? I had to go back to uh, world events because it's really bothering me, This all of this really low negative energy around the Syrian refugees. And, you know, I went back to uh, the Human Rights Declaration, and it says, everyone has the right to freedom of opinion and expression. Everyone has the right to freedom of peaceful assembly and association. And that's Article 19 and 20 in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Now, if you don't know or you forget, about five years ago, that's exactly how the Syrian crisis began. You know, a group of kids, teenagers with a can full of spray paint, you know, put a message on the wall in the Syrian city of Dara. And they said, you know, this graffiti was the people want to topple the regime. Well, that's what started this whole event. The government's answer was to start shooting people. You know, the people thought we're going to have peaceful assembly. No, you can't tell them there that you don't like them. We're just going to start shooting you. And that's pretty much how it all started. And after that started, some of the Syrian military officers, they defected and they formed the Free Syrian Army. And then some more political groups, you know, started and they established the Syrian National Council. And everybody wanted to topple, you know, President Bashar al-Assad. Now, along comes ISIS. And they just pour the gasoline on the fire and the Kurds and the Americans start attacking ISIS strongholds. Now, ISIS blows up these priceless runes. And at this point now, we have 3.5 million people in Syria needing humanitarian assistance. Today, we're at four, you know, a little over 4 million refugees have fled. There's about another 7.6 million refugees who are still, you know, displaced within Syria. And half of those are kids. Now, along comes Russia. They said, oh, we're going to start attacking ISIS. And so they start doing these airstrikes into Syria. Now you've got like 320,000 people killed, nearly 12,000 of them kids. And, you know, the, the infrastructure has, has collapsed. There's no health care. There's no education. There's nothing anymore. The economy is shattered. These children, there's no hope for a better future. There's nothing. And I am so proud as a Canadian to say that this week, the Syrian refugees have began to resettle in Canada. And Canada has opened their, their doors to 25,000 refugees. And 1,665 have already arrived. 
and 1,594 of them have already had their applications finalized. So I'm really, really proud of that. I think that, you know, that's pretty amazing. And what I hear from the, the other side of the border, and maybe here too, you know, is it, it, everything that's stemming from fear. And the fear is we can't let them in. They're terrorists. You know, we're going to let this whole wave of terrorists in with us. And, you know, I think that that's really low thinking, low energy thinking. It's not... Uh, anything that we need to go to because if we can rise above the fear and put ourselves into their position and think, you know, it's a family, it's children. These people had good jobs. They had money. They had houses. They had everything that we have over here. And, and now it's all gone. You know, how could you not open your heart to them? You know, it's interesting. I've seen several photographs of streets in Syria, what they looked like five years ago, and then the absolute devastation that has come about in what you would think was an average neighborhood in any country in the world. And it has it has devastated them so much that it's no wonder these people are looking for a better way, a better life. Yeah, I know. And, you know, I, I can't even imagine being bombed. Arlie, I can't even imagine, you know, sitting here in my nice little home and outside, you know, bombs and things are going off. We have been so blessed this generation not to have to, you know, especially in North America, not to have had to go through that. But lots and lots of people have. And so I just want to ask people to open their hearts to the refugees, to um, maybe join if, if, you know, your heart is there and you want to help. There's a couple of agencies that you might want to join. And the first one is Amnesty International, who has done a lot to help organize the refugees. And that's an, that's an organization I belong to. And they're a non-governmental organization, and they focus on human rights um, around the world. There's about 7 million members, I think. Um, AVAZ is another organization. That's A-V-A-A-Z. They are about 42 million strong. And they campaign through... Um, uh, online, you know, forms and, and, and send these off to governments and, and, and because they really want to ensure that the views and the values of the world's people um, have been met. And they had a huge win last week with the Paris Summit uh, because we did get 190 countries. They let them know, you know, 190 countries signed and said that fossil fuels are going to be, you know, eliminated hopefully by 2050. And that's really huge. And the third organization is forcechange.com. And they're made up of a group of really passionate individuals who care deeply about issues like animal rights, environment, human rights, social justice, um, things like that. And last week they were on the rampage to help uh, the lions who were just uh, killed in in the sanctuary um, because they ate a tainted carcass of a cow. Now, some of the, the Maasai farmers, they bring their cattle into the reserve so that they can eat really good grass. Unfortunately, lions being who they are, they ate one of the cows. And so the farmers decided to um, taint their carcass with poison and they, and they killed a couple and they actually killed a couple lions who were on television stars, um, which doesn't really make a difference. But what did make a difference was that through force change and organizations like it, it's the first time in history the farmers are going to get charged. And that's going to make a huge difference, I believe, on uh, what's going to happen to them in the future and, and maybe that they'll leave this wildlife alone. Well, that's interesting because, you know, recently there was a big scandal about sport hunters killing that's right lions and there was a there was you know the the decision was that it's okay for sport hunters to do that but yet these people who are are basically trying to eke out a living are being charged so it's it's interesting the way that we place our value system 
it is. But, you know, you can't go around killing things that don't belong to you. Absolutely. And especially, especially with so many species, you know, as we already know, are, are, are dying off and they're never going to come back. So right. we Absolutely. really and, have to be but, conscious of what we're doing. Right. I think my point was, you know, we, ha- we have a system that doesn't balance that because That's true. The, the sport hunters should be just as guilty as the people who poisoned the lions. Absolutely. And somebody who really probably knows a lot more about that than I do is our next guest. And I'm going to introduce him. If dogs are man's best friend, then Mark Abraham is definitely has, like, he definitely has a ton of besties in the world. In fact, all of the animals benefit from his love advocacy and his mission in life. Mark is a practicing veterinary surgeon. He's an author, animal welfare campaigner. He's based in Brighton, England, and he is the celebrity. Uh, huge congratulations go out to you, Mark, because you have been an incredible friend to the animals, and he's been voted Vet of the Year by the Daily Mirror, RSPCA. He is the Animal Hero Awards 2015 winner. Yay! Wow. In 2014, he was also named Vet of the Year by SIVA Animal Welfare Awards. So, wow, congratulations again. And I can see why, because not only has Mark got a very busy practice, but he's also involved in animal welfare. He founded Pup Aid, now in its fifth year, and it's a campaign against puppy mills and farming. And he has also just produced a brilliant film, Dog by Dog Documentary, which raises awareness of the daily realities of puppy mills, uh, an issue that is very close to his heart, I'm sure he'll talk about. Um, if you couldn't guess it, he's also a television celebrity, and he's been featured on many shows, including BBC Breakfast, Apollo Grady Show, Good Morning Britain, and one that I spent all morning watching because it was so much fun, uh, My Pet Shame. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was pretty fun. So, Mark, um, welcome, because we got so much to talk about. <laughs> welcome. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You have, you know, in your spare time, if you have any, you volunteer to help animals around the world. You've been to Asia. You've worked with the moon bears. You've worked with, um, who else have you, donkeys. I have two donkeys that I sponsor. Uh, yeah, I've worked, with, uh, I've worked with donkeys in the Middle East. I've worked with moon bears at the Animals Asia uh, Moon Bear Rehabilitation Sanctuary. Um, I've worked in Mumbai for a fantastic charity called Welfare of Stray Dogs India in the slums. And uh, the Amazon... Um, Ukraine, all over the world, really. Yeah. After the tsunami. Yeah. Incredible, incredible. I love, I love your passion. The very first thing I ever wanted to be was a vet, and a jockey, and a DJ. <laughs> I couldn't decide. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but I have a real passion for animals um, like you, and and so does Arlie. Arlie, you, you had a couple goals. You've always had dogs, and me too. We love animals. Cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I think everyone loves animals, and I hear that Toronto. Uh, is especially dog-friendly in terms of uh, cities in the U.S. and Canada. Very much so. Our parks are amazing for the animals. We have really great off-leash parks for them. And everybody, there's so many dogs. And I love that everybody cleans up. And so that's really wonderful. And the SPCA here um, does a fantastic job of uh, doing free spays and neuters. And then, um, you know, the shelters here aren't into killing as much as they are other places that I've worked with. And they they really want to get the pets adopted, which is, you know, pretty wonderful and something I know that uh, you care about as well. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a big fan of, uh, of rescue pets, of shelter pets. But I think also Toronto is one of the few cities in the world who have banned uh, puppies and kittens uh, that have been commercially bred on puppy mills uh, to be sold in pet stores. Yeah, there's uh, no more of that. And uh, that's something that we're fighting for in the UK. But I think there's over 90 cities now in the US and Canada 
that have that have actually achieved that, um, which is a way of stopping third-party sales of animals, um, impulse purchases, uh, and, a, and a way of stopping the encouragement of you know irresponsible mass production of dogs and, and, and to a lesser extent cats. Uh, and what that does is it pushes people towards responsible breeders, where you'll always see the puppy with its mum. Or, right. as we say, shelters. So as long as those are the two options, responsible breeders, um, where you see I'm going to stop you. We're going to commercial. Sure. Hang in there. We're going to come right back. Don't go okay. away. Okay. No, we're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author and intuitive, Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelov live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Did you know that having one hand in your pocket is considered arrogant in Turkey? My husband and I felt like goostrum noodles when this was pointed out to us while we were visiting in Istanbul. A goostrum noodle is a foolish person. What is seen as common behavior in one country is frequently considered bad manners or rude in another country. For example, while most Americans sit in the back seat of a taxi, in Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, Scotland, and the Netherlands, to sit in the back of the cab when the front passenger seat is available is considered rude. In Japan and South Korea, tipping is seen as an insult. And in China and India, it is considered greedy to tear into a gift in front of the giver. What's another word for a person with bad manners? A snirt. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. And we're back with the National Animal Hero Award recipient, Vet of the Year, Mark the Vet. Mark, just before we went to break, we were talking about puppies in stores. And I know that um, on one of your films, you tell people that think that they're saving a puppies from a bad life um, when they purchase it from a store. That's not the case. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's all about that initial encounter. And sometimes if you go to a, a pet shop or... Uh, a sort of a fake breeder where you arrive and the mum is nowhere to be seen. Sometimes the sicker the animal appears, i.e. If, uh, if it's vomiting or if it's got diarrhea or fleas or worms, the more likely you are to buy it because you're, there's a switch that flicks in your brain, uh, which is sort of buying to rescue. And even though you're paying money still, uh, you, you sort of justify your decision by rescuing it. Now, we'd all rescue in that situation because we love animals. But what it mm -hmm. does is it makes room for another irresponsibly bred animal to fill its space. So we've got to be very, very aware when we research where we get our pets from and we've got to be strong uh, and not let our heart rule our head a lot of the time. 
Now, this is a, this is a, a time of year where a lot of families might say, oh, I'm going to get somebody a pet for Christmas, which happened to me. <laughs> and not the best of ideas. No, I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, there are exceptions, of course. I think if you're maybe alone or you haven't got any kids or you've got you've got a sort of a normal lifestyle, if you like, around Christmas, uh, then then possibly. But really, most Christmas, uh, most Christmas arrangements for people involve families and screaming kids and elderly relatives and, and basically a loss of routine. Yeah, just for a week or two. Sure. So I think when you adopt a shelter pet, um, a shelter pet really desperately needs a routine. It needs peace and quiet. It needs to sort of come out of its shell gradually. So unless you can provide that environment, I think just hold on a week or two weeks, wait till the new year, and then you can spend as much peaceful, quiet, relaxed time uh, allowing that shelter pet to adapt to its new surroundings. It's asking a lot to stick it in a, in a chaotic situation potentially. And also not just about people around, and arrangements, it's about the, the dangers of Christmas as well, because, you know, there's a lot of chocolate around, raisins, mm-hmm. grapes, uh, things like tinsel, fairy lights, turkey carcasses, uh, antifreeze, uh, especially for cats. Uh, a lot of the Christmas flowers are, are poisonous too. So oh, you're yeah, bringing cats, potentially yeah. a, a dog that, or, or even a cat that you don't know really their, their personality into an environment filled with danger and filled with potential chaos. So why would you want to do that when you can just leave it in a rescue centre peacefully and quietly just for another week or so until the craziness dies down and then you've got a nice, calm environment to introduce that pet to? Great, great advice. How, how do you suggest people go about um, matching a pet to their family? I think the best thing to do is to go to a rescue centre. I mean, they've, you know, they, they've taken the dogs in. They know exactly their circumstances individually. They treat all dogs and, or cats or rabbits or whatever the animal is going to be rescued as a, an individual, you know, it's a, a personality, uh, mm-hmm. whether it gets on with cats, whether it doesn't, you know, whether it's uh, house trained, whether it's not house trained yet. So the best advice is really from a reputable rescue centre. Uh, if you're dead set on buying a puppy, and that's okay, you know, I'm not anti-puppy, um, then, you know, you have to source a responsible breeder. And that means you have to see the puppy interacting with its mum. You have to be in a, in a situation that doesn't feel pressurised. And, and you should be able to sort of say, do you know what, I'll come back another time, maybe in a week or so, and not feel that you have to buy the puppy then. Um, you know, if you Google the, the cell phone number, that often um, gives you clues about whether they're selling lots of different puppies. If they're selling different breeds, that's a, another warning that, hang on a minute, um, there's something not quite right here. So, But really, go to your veterinarian, um, explain your situation, and they should direct you to the, the best breeders or the best rescue centers or both. You know, take time deciding what you want. Do your research and, uh, you know, talk to people. Talk to people in the street about their dog. People with dogs love talking about dogs. Mm-hmm. So the more research you do, the more fun dog shows you attend. Talk to people. Get as much research as possible because that decision not only obviously affects you and your family, but it affects the animal. And if you get it right, it's incredibly special. Uh, and you form a partnership that lasts, the, obviously, the whole animal's life. And we always find that rescue pets have so much love to give uh, because they're just so grateful for being rescued. They are. I just love, oh man, I could just go in and take the whole bunch up. I know Arlie could too. The, um, the animals in rescue, a lot of them, uh, they're not, they're not purebred and that can sometimes be even better because a lot of the issues that are, you know, purebreds have, um, aren't, uh, exaggerated in, in, you know, a mixed breed. Tell us about 
people who insist on getting a purebred? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's purebreds and there's, and there's crossbreeds. Um, you do find both in rescue. Um, mm-hmm. Exaggerated features aren't uh, recommended. Um, I went to a lecture recently by a very eminent uh, scientist who actually said that, you know, uh, what, what we call brachycephalic breeds, the short nose breeds, the pugs and the French yeah, the bulldogs pugs, and the yeah. Boston Terriers, obviously they struggle to breathe. They look slightly different. They snort, they snore. Uh, they make all sorts of noises, and that can sometimes make them even more endearing to buy for people because people love the feeling of looking after a sick animal. Uh. So it, it's there's so many twists and turns in this in this path to finding a pet. Um, really, any whatever the animal, if it's purebred or if it's a, a, what we call a mongrel, a crossbreed, or a designer dog, if you like, that's what they're called now. Um, it, they all deserve to be rescued. They all deserve a chance. It's none of their fault that they're in that situation. That's right. Uh, um, and, and the reasons for abandonment uh, these days are so different to what they used to be. In the olden days, it was because they bit someone or because they keep running off or, or uh, doing toilet in the house. And now it's because uh, maybe someone's allergic or it, their, their dog doesn't match the, the sofa or the furniture, you know, or, or they're just bored, so bored of the pet or they're going into temporary accommodation or they just, they just honestly can't afford to keep it. So... We have so many different reasons for um, abandonment now with animals. And really, you know, if you're thinking about getting a dog, whether it's a purebred or a crossbreed, please, please try rescue first. And one of the other things that people don't realize is there are puppies in rescue. You don't have to go to right. a breeder for a puppy. You can get them in rescue. A lot of, you know, ex-breeding bitches go into rescue. Um, a lot of uh, pregnant dogs end up in rescue and then have puppies in rescue. A lot of puppies are dumped, you know, in a cardboard box at rescue, especially at this time of year. So please, just because you want a puppy doesn't mean you can't go to rescue. And on the flip side of that, Older dogs, mature dogs, dogs that are already house trained, microchipped, neutered, uh, you know, sterilized. Um, they also deserve a chance. And they're bargains, really, because they require no work in terms of uh, neutering or microchipping or, or, you know, anything like that. And yeah. they're perfectly ready made pets. So you've got to ask yourself, why wouldn't you rescue an older, more mature animal? Exactly. And I know over here, and I don't know what it's like over across the pond there, um, black dogs don't always get the fair shake a lot of people black dogs and black dogs and black cats get a Uh a very unfair deal in rescue because they're often overlooked um and so that's that's a very good point yeah i mean you know it's crazy when you think about it but um you know just give every animal a chance they all deserve uh you know forever loving home i wanted to reiterate a point that you made a little bit ago and that is when you're choosing an animal to bring into your home, you're not selecting an ornament. You're selecting a member of your family, and you need to be aware of its variables as well as how it's going to affect the family. Exactly. Absolutely, and that and that also goes back to the whole giving pets as presents thing. Uh, if you give a pet as a present, you're immediately commoditizing it. You're saying this is a gift rather than this is a living being that's going to interact with our family for the next 15 years, you know? Um, And and it's all about creating that impression of a family member, as you quite rightly say, rather than just a thing that can be disposed of if it doesn't work out. And I think that the more we treat pets like disposable items, uh, like impulse purchases, like a good idea at the time, because we see a celebrity on Twitter or Instagram Mm -hmm. dressing their French bulldog up, uh, the more problems we're going to have. Uh, and on the uh, you know the opposite of that is the more we research, the more time we invest in making that decision right, 
in, in adopting a mature dog, in, in really, really finding out the best pet for our family, the stronger that bond is and the less likely we are to, to abandon that pet. And also the, the better PR it is for dog ownership in general, because if you're out and about with a lovely dog and you're getting on fine and you've done your research, then everyone's going to want to follow that sort of pathway and you're going to recommend more people to rescue. That's uh, right. Rather than buying a, a pet store um, pup that's sick, it's dying of a virus and that's going to put you off and you're going to tell all your friends not to bother getting a puppy from a pet store either. It's very negative for the dog world. So we have an opportunity as dog lovers to really spread the word about rescue, about shelter, about responsible breeding, which ultimately ends dog cruelty. Which I like is, to uh, see the something we're all fighting for. Sorry. I'd like to see the shelters become more adoption centers. So more adoption centric than, you know, here's a place that we're going to take these dogs and you know, in the United States, I know I sent you this little blurb, but, you know, 5,500 dogs, a, you know, a day are, are killed every day. And it's just horrific to me that they see that that's a money, that's a money decision. Um, and yet so much more money for them could be made if they had marketed themselves as adoption centers and really helping people find their forever homes and, the, you know, forever pets. Because, you know, there is somebody out there for every dog. I know there is, you know, they just don't Absolutely. know where they are. Absolutely, and I think uh, I think it's down to us with our, our social media networks to to really to really help educate people that don't know about rescue, who aren't aware of rescue, and to really prioritise that as an, as the option for getting a pet. Uh, we're all on Facebook, we're all on Twitter. Um, we can all follow our local shelters, and every time they you know they they upload a picture or, or post a, uh, an image of their uh, a dog or cat or rabbit whatever that needs a home just share it you know you don't have to give any money uh, you can obviously if you want but what we have at our fingertips these days is the tools to really share and raise awareness about rescue which we didn't have before and and it, if that post pops up in someone's feed that's looking for a dog and wasn't aware of rescue and, and it just seeds something in their mind that they they pick up the phone they they go to the shelter and and they're introduced to the whole world of rescue and I think that if you ever see a post on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram that's promoting rescue, share it because you mm -hmm. never know who's going to look at it. And you never know how many lives that one share is going to affect both, both human and canine. That's awesome. We're going to um, go to a break very shortly. Chloe, um, we're going to meet you in a minute. And Mark, I definitely want you to stick around. Chloe, do you have a pet? Uh, I have two cats and a dog, yes. Oh, good for you. What do you have? What are, what's your dog? What breed is uh, it? He's a rescue, and he's a mix of uh, Golden Retriever, German Shepherd, oh, and something else, I think. Yeah. Does he look like a Golden, or does he look like a Shepherd? He looks like both. <laughs> I mean, he's got the big <laughs> snout, but yeah. uh, he's got, like, the golden uh, color. So. Oh, that's awesome. Oh. Yeah. I love it. I got a Golden, too. They're great dogs. And I, Shepherds are, like, my favorite, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, we're going to talk about you in a moment and your dogs, and we're going to come back with Mark because I have so much to ask him, and there's so much information. But we are going to break, so please stick around, stay close, because we're going to come back, and we're going to answer your question because I know you have one. Here we go. Heck no. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. 
Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Like me, when you've finished dining at a restaurant, you hate waiting and waiting for the check to arrive so you can pay and get on with your day. I admit my rocket, as my kids call it, starts going off, and my husband always wants one more cup of coffee, and I'm ready to go, wiki, wiki, let's go. It's not that I'm tense. I'm just terribly alert. My husband always has a cup of coffee in his hand, so much so he is wearing out the handles of our coffee mugs. But then again, he's not as bad as the French writer Voltaire, who drank 70 cups of coffee a day. I can't drink coffee before going to bed because I get too wadgety. My husband, on the other hand, can drink several cups of joe and go right to sleep. And I'm not talking slum gullion. That's weak coffee. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. And we're back, and thanks for sticking around. We're so happy that you have. You're going to meet Chloe Collins. Chloe is a 15-year-old singer-songwriter. She has written over 80 songs since she started playing guitar at the age of eight. And in addition to that, her songs have been played nationally and internationally on the radio. And she has uh, some of her songs have been used in network television, advertising campaigns. And she has just recorded her new EP, Five at 15, and uh, at Grind Central Station in Nashville with Mikey Reeves producing it. And that's pretty exciting. So welcome, Chloe. Hi, thanks for having me. I know that Karina's going to want you on her new show because she's going to do a music show soon. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty exciting. You've been playing since the age of eight. Yeah. And it's country music? Is that how you describe yourself? Yeah, I think maybe kind of country pop, just kind of a mix of things that I think sounds like me. Right. And, And where do your ideas for your songs come from? Um. Kind of from all over. I mean, definitely personal experiences, but also things that my friends have gone through and even things in the media or movies, television, stuff like that. Now, you have your own YouTube channel, too. Yes, I do. Wow. And so how many many, uh, loyal fans do you have there? Do you know? Ooh, uh, subscribers, maybe 100 or 200 or something, but my videos get, like, 30,000 views, which is incredible. Wow, that is incredible. (laughs) That is incredible. Let's hear her. Let's put her song on. The song is called um, Forget Your Name. Do you want to tell us about it before we play it? Oh, yeah. Well, this one, again, I recorded in Nashville, and um, I wrote when I was about 14. It was just kind of like shaking someone off after a bad relationship, something like that. A whole year ago. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
mature sound thank you you know i think back to taylor and you know at that age and and you know you could kind of tell that she was young but you you fit right in <laughs> thank you, you fit right so in. Much. Like, really nice you know that country sound that new country sound that's excellent do your dad's an entertainment lawyer uh yes he is and he used to be a musician did he used to play i think uh yeah he was in a band in new york yeah did, did that motivate you to play or any influence at all? Um, I mean, I guess kind of, but it was mostly me because I started because I had seen the Hannah Montana movie. And oh, I was like, yeah. Yeah, of course. And I was like the huge fan of Miley Cyrus. And sure. like a few days after it, I saw it for my eighth birthday, I think. And then a few days after, I just picked up the guitar that I had, like this little toy guitar. And I was like, hey, maybe I should try a few chords out so I kind of just taught myself um a few chords and then I just kind of took off with it from there but it was mainly that movie that <laughs> motivated me that's awesome now country has a real sound so are there chords that are specific to country music like that everybody has to know if you want to play country um I think just like the basic chords for any kind of genre um I don't know any like specific country 
chords that are used a bunch, but um, just like the main ones, like, like B A-G. and E, yeah, all those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and so when you're writing songs, what comes first, the lyrics or the music? Uh, it can be a variety of both, but um, a lot of times I start with a chord progression, mm-hmm. and then I just come up with words and a melody at the same time. And it just goes over that chord progression. Arlie, you had a question for for Chloe. Oh yeah, I was going to ask how how it is for you being 15 and doing concerts and tours and balancing that with family and school and you know how 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 do you handle that? It, it sounds like it would be overwhelming. Well, I love doing it personally. Um, when I was in Nashville, I would record from like 10 in the morning to 10 at night for a few weeks just to finish the album, and that was like I was having the time of my life, you know. But um, for school, I do an online private academy, so that really helps me have more flexible hours. And uh, then, of course, I spend time with my family because they're traveling with me to go to Nashville and back to New York and other places to perform. Um, so I'm always with them. Are you an only child or do you have siblings? I am. I'm an only yeah. child. <laughs> well, that uh, helps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, Mark, did, did you have any questions for her? No, I like it. I'm I'm uh, I'm a big fan of music, and I'm just enjoying listening to the music and enjoying your chat. Yeah, yes. great. <laughs> so, Chloe, right. you mentioned Hannah Montana. How do you view the transition that has been made from from Hannah to from, to Wrecking Ball? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Twerking. Yeah, yeah. I get asked that question a lot. Um, yeah. I don't really have a say. I mean, personally, I do like the sound of her music still. I think she still has an amazing voice. You know, she, she always had a great talent in that area. But um, And I just saw her in A Very Murray Christmas or whatever, and she wasn't doing all the other stuff she does now, but she really showed off her voice, and I was really impressed by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does yeah, have I a great voice. She has, she's definitely got a talent. Yeah. It seems that it's, you know, the antics kind of overshadow that sometimes, but... Um, do you think you, do you think that that would happen to you ever? Um, I think I'm not gonna go that way. <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to stay in the vein that I'm right now, and you know, I'm just mainly focusing on the music. So hopefully, that never happens. So where do you think you are gonna go? Like, what's what's your your life goal? Uh, my life goal is to definitely play Madison Square Garden and hopefully host Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And who, if you could, who, who would you want to share a stage with? Definitely Taylor Swift. <laughs> okay. Oh, that would be um, yeah, that's, I've gone to like four of her concerts and she's just such a huge influence on my music. I can see her asking you up one day. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Do you get yeah. a lot of press? Do you do you have media that follows you quite a bit? Uh yeah, I have kind of a big like Twitter following and I've been doing a bunch of interviews uh on a bunch of radio stations uh lately, so that's been cool. Do you find the press bothers you? Does that I'm and the reason I'm asking that is because I think with respect to how a lot of the controversy comes about in in entertainers is that the media takes a small thing and blows it so huge that it becomes controversial and then covers up the music. Yeah, I mean, I really haven't had a problem with that yet. I've just kind of been starting out now. Uh, and most of the reviews of my EP have been positive, which is great. And when they're not positive, they're usually 
uh, good criticism that I can take and then uh, maybe do better on my next album or whatever uh, it is. So it's well, always helpful either way. It's so great that you take that criticism that way and not be offended by it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very difficult. That's very difficult. And it, you know, it can really um, affect someone's confidence when they get criticized. So you've got a really level head. As I said, your, your sound is very mature. Sounds like you are too. And you know, I can only wish you all the best, Chloe, really. Thank you. Uh, I think you're going to be huge. I really do. I think you've got a great sound. I, I, and I want you to stick around, too, because, um, you know, we got lots of, we've got lots to talk about right now. And I want to – one of the things that I, I fear a lot with our pets is, is, like, Mark, you started off the show talking about at Christmas time about the things that, that can um, affect them and poison them, uh, like, like chocolate and onions and, and raisins and, and poinsettias for your cats. Do you get poinsettias in your house, Chloe, at Christmas time? Do you worry about that with your cats? Uh, not really. I mean, they kind of just, I have a basement that they stay in and they have all their stuff in there. So they just kind of keep to themselves down there. They don't really get near all the uh, possibly toxic stuff that's around the house during Christmas. You know, I had a dog once. She opened up a whole... Um, box of Ferrero Rocher. She unpacked them. All the gold foil was left on the floor. <laughs> she ate them all very nice and neatly. And she never had, not even diarrhea. I couldn't believe it. Lucky thing that she was. She's still with us, but she's not, she's no longer with us now, but it wasn't because of the Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> I wanted to, um, what are your cat's names? What do you tell, tell us your animal's names? It tells a lot about a person, what they name their pets. Uh, well, my parents got them before I was born. Oh, okay. But um, their names are Kenya because they had seen lion cubs in Africa when they went on a trip there. And they thought that um, our kitten looked just like the cats there, cool. um, like the lion cubs. So they named him Kenya because that was in Kenya, I guess. And then uh, the other one is named Blue because he's actually a black cat, but they thought he looked blue. And they spell it in the French way. So. Yeah, blue. <laughs> yep, <laughs> blue. Okay, and your dog? Uh, his name is Rocky. Rocky. We just kind of like that name. And yeah. Is your first name Chloe, or is that your stage name? That's my first name. My full name is Chloe Collins. Ah, yeah. uh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to come back with Chloe and Arlie and Mark. I'm Frankie. And uh, in the sound booth there is Karina Love. And we're, she's going to bring us all back in just a few seconds. So stick around, please. Heck no, we're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. It's Margin. 
wonder where common food items found on most restaurant menus got their names? Bob Cobb, owner of Hollywood's Brown Derby Restaurant, created the Cobb Salad one night in 1937 when he threw ingredients together to make a salad, which included eggs. A cobber is a word for a friend, so dine on a Cobb Salad with your cobber. The Caesar Salad is attributed to Caesar Cardini, a restauranter in Tijuana, Mexico, who created the unusual mix of greens and anchovies when he was running low on ingredients for salad and had to use what was left in his refrigerator. Reuben Kolakowski of Omaha, Nebraska, created the sandwich we now call the Reuben. He first concocted it to feed some late-night poker players at a local hotel. What's the word for personal names that are now dictionary words? Eponyms. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. And we're back. Thanks for sticking around. We're so happy that you did. Chloe Collins is here, Mark Abraham, and Arlie, we're still here. So thanks. <laughs> Mark, I wanted to ask you, because one thing that comes up at the dinner table all the time is, you know, can we give our dog a little treat? And, you know, my dog is pretty good. I got a golden retriever. He has a very, very sensitive stomach. And so there's a whole bunch of stuff that he cannot eat, um, cheese being one of them. But, um, you know, sometimes you make a meal and you cook stuff and I put onions in practically everything. So if he was to have a piece of meat from a stew that had onions in it, would, would that affect him? Uh, it, I mean, you know, a big dog like a golden retriever probably wouldn't affect him. But at, at the end of the day, we can't really ever recommend anything that's contaminated, if you like, with something right. that's potentially toxic. So anything with uh, with gravy, onions, as we said, ra- um, uh, grapes, uh, raisins, um, chocolate, it's just better to steer clear of it. Um, cheese is actually it's a shame your dog uh, doesn't tolerate it because cheese is a very good training aid. Um, but really, you know, there's some good stuff out there. You know, um, raw carrots, I think, is my favorite treat that we can eat and so can your dog. Yeah, he will um, eat that. It's good for, it works, you know, it's good for, it's got a lot of fiber, obviously. Uh, it's quite sweet to the dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the golden rule is if you're going to start feeding your dog um, human food, make sure its sort of daily needs are taken care of. Right. Make sure you feed slightly less dog food because obviously they're having more calories. Uh, and, and really, just, just be aware, you know, obviously exercise and feeding responsibly. So it can be done. Um, but, you know, don't don't do it all the time. You know, it is, as you just said, it is a special treat. Yeah, I, you know, one of my dogs developed, my shepherd had diabetes and he was a rescue. And I think that somebody had probably given him too many cookies because I don't give my dogs cookies. Their treats are like a little piece of meat or something. Um, Because I think that they don't really need cookies and sugar and carbs and and things like that. And the other thing is, if you if you give dogs that sort of surge in, in sugar, they can get a condition called pancreatitis, which is not only incredibly painful and hard to treat, mm-hmm. uh, it costs a lot. The animal is always hospitalized or, or usually hospitalized. Uh, and again, it's a preventable disease, you know, and we've got to start thinking about preventable diseases. You know, just before you do something that may seem uh, appropriate at the time or f- even funny, uh, entertaining, uh, mm-hmm. Maybe your dog is great at begging and you think, oh, you know, they've, they've, they've earned it, if you like. Please, please, just, just again, don't let your uh, heart rule it, your head uh, and just do what's right for your pet. And, and, you know, if anything, take a tiny bit of dog food out of its daily ration and use that as a treat or, or use dog treats. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so there's plenty of options. It's not like this is the only thing we can give that dog at that particular moment. Um, because dealing with the, the, the problems that arise afterwards from, from feeding something that's inappropriate is far more serious than, you know, than just doing it at the time. Like some breeds like Goldens, you know, are prone to different kinds of cancer, which is kind of scares me a little bit. Um, and so I guess I am a little careful about what he eats. But what about exercise? Like how much exercise does a dog need? Some dogs are, you know, uh, they just love to run and run and run. And some dogs like to lay around, you know, a lot of the, the larger ones, you know, the Malamutes or whatever. They don't like to just sit there and look pretty. Um, so how much exercise should your dog get? Or like, I don't I think, think that, go ahead. Sorry. As, no, it's okay. I was going to say, it's just like us. I think dogs uh, are all individuals. Um, they will exercise until they're tired, like we will. Uh, I think the most important thing is you let them exercise um, until they get tired or however long they want to. Um, it's important also to realize that rescued greyhounds, uh, of which there are a lot, I know mm-hmm. there are a lot in the, in the, in the States and Canada, as, yeah, as well as there are here, don't actually require as much exercise as people think sure they require walks um, but they are quite happy to sit and, and be couch potatoes as well so like us all animals are individuals you will find as you sort of em- embark on your journey embark no pun intended uh, as you embark on your journey with your dog um, how much your dog's exercise requirements are what they're comfortable with, what you're comfortable with, and you'll you know you'll find that common ground. And if you've, if you've got a dog that's well trained and it's got recall, you can let it off the lead. Then obviously it's going to exercise a lot more. Um, so yeah, I think it's not just the exercise; it's also for their mental well-being. Because mm-hmm. animals that are locked up in a house or or in a small environment for long periods of time tend to become mentally disturbed. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, physical stimulation, mental stimulation, that, that's all down to being a responsible pet owner and providing those essential needs for your pet, whether it's a dog or cat or a rabbit or a hamster. Um, if you can't provide physical or mental stimulation, the correct diet, uh, preventative health care, then, then you can't have a pet, uh, you know, um, and, and own it responsibly. So it's all part and parcel of being that responsible pet owner that we should all be striving for. And really, if you've got any questions whatsoever, contact your veterinarian. They've got all the answers. It's usually a free chat with a nurse or one of the vets. Uh, and, you know, even to the point where take them to the local clinic, get them weighed every month or every two months, and, and just keep that dialogue going with your veterinarian uh, because we spot things early like that, lumps, mm-hmm. um, d- dirty teeth, um, anything you're worried about, you can pop in. And also the more you pop in socially, if you like, with your pet, uh, the less likely they are to fear going to the vet and the easier it is for everyone, to be honest with you. So what about bones? You know, all growing up, my dogs always had bones, and now it's like, don't give your dog a bone. Yeah, bone, I mean, again, to bone it, or not to bone. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, again, it's uh, it's the size of the bone. It's it's whether it's cooked or not. Um, some some dogs will tolerate it. Some others. At the end of the day, if you're worried, don't do it. It's the same with anything that you 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 think right. of with your pet. If you're worried, don't do it. I'm or not worried, but my pet is. Veterinarian, <laughs> you know, speak to a veterinarian about it. Because bones are incredibly hard to remove, 
uh, from the intestine, they get stuck, they can splinter, they can cause perforation, they can cause constipation. So, for example, at this time of year, turkey carcasses, yeah? If you don't oh, I would never give a dog to, that. Well, it's not in, even a case of giving it. If they find it in the bin or it's not wrapped oh. up properly, do you know what I mean? Or, yeah, or a really neighbor's splinter. bin. Yeah. You have to be so careful because a turkey carcass can cause all sorts of problems. Um, so just be careful at the end of the day, as we would with our kids or members of our family, because that's exactly what pets are. And what about raw? Like, you know, a lot of people have gone to raw and they feed their, their dogs raw chicken carcass, but it's not cooked, obviously. Um, what's the difference? Well, raw is a, is a very interesting topic at the moment. I'm sure it is there as it is here. Yeah. Uh, raw, when it's done properly, is a great diet. The problem is people think they can do it properly, so they do their own homemade diets and they miss out a load of stuff or they don't ground, grind down the bone. And, of course, if you're going to feed a carcass to a dog, you, in my opinion and, and in a lot of vets' opinions, you're asking for trouble. But mm -hmm. the, the diets that you get, um, for example, in this country, we have a, diet, a, a, a brand called Natural Instinct, uh, mm -hmm. which comes straight from the warehouse. The bone is ground down, okay? So there's no danger of obstruction. There's no danger of perforation. But the dog is getting that natural diet. So it, there are circumstances uh, where it can be done uh, properly. And we're also seeing a massive growth in the raw industry because, you know, raw diets oh, yeah. don't have the fillers, they don't have the cereals, they don't cause all sorts of sort of skin allergies. Um, so we're seeing a huge growth because it's being done properly now. And there's brands that are being incredibly responsible and, and really providing that, that, that fantastic nutrient um, levels that your dog needs. Um, Mark, tell people how they can find you. And then I'm going to ask Chloe the same because we're going to we're coming up to end of five minutes. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, I'm easy. I'm, my, uh, my website is markthevet.com. That's Mark with a C, markthevet.com. And, of course, if you can, uh, follow PupAid, which is my anti-puppy mill campaign and promoting rescue. And that's P-U-P-A-I-D. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, and, and, you know, share the posts, share awareness. And, and together, PupAid is a real team effort it's the power of the mob together we can raise so much awareness that people stop buying puppy mill puppies and they also consider rescue pets as an option as well and you guys look look at the good radio network because you're going to see those posts over there chloe uh my website is still in the works but i have a twitter which is chloe collins mus um instagram is chloe collins music facebook is chloe collins music and everything else like youtube is just my name chloe collins and so they could go to itunes to download your ep yes my ep is on itunes currently perfect wow. great yeah uh, <laughs> did you have any questions for mark me yeah about your uh I think no. <laughs> okay. I've got to say, I've got to say, just before you wrap up, Chloe, if you're 15, and I think about me as a 15 year old, I was the nerdiest, geekiest loser. I was all I did was I was, was collect butterflies and moths and caterpillars and then draw them. And when oh I think gosh. about what you're doing with a music career, it just blows my mind. So, good luck, and uh, yeah, it's been nice chatting with you. Thank Mark, you so much. Mark, Mark looks like an MMA fighter, if you haven't seen the picture. <laughs> I didn't used to, that's for sure. Ah, you look like a big, tough, you know, heavyweight fighter or something. And, and, you, and I love this picture of you with the tiniest little Yorkies and a little dog <laughs> sitting with you. They're so cute. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, in the olden days, it was a big, big hair. Drawing them was what led you. What's that? What did you say, it, Ryan? 
drawing butterflies and collecting and, and drawing, that's probably one of the reasons you went into your field. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Uh, literally. I mean, it's, you know, I was obsessed with animals and I always wanted to help them. So I was drawing and, and uh, that's why I'm called Mark. So I'm named after the painter Mark Chagall because my dad's an artist. Um, and um, I used to draw them and label them. And, you know, animals were my world and I never spoke to humans. So it's been quite a turnaround over the last few years. You know, we were going to talk about the gifts, and my SPCA um, sold a package of stuffed animals as a gift, and it was they're, they're based on real dogs and cats and a horse who were rescued. They're, they're a horrible story, and then they were rescued, and if you buy this, then that money goes to rescuing other animals. So I bought this for all of my kids because they're huge animal lovers, and they don't need any more stuff. And, you know, each of my son wrote me back right away, oh, that's the greatest gift you could have got me. And so... You know, anything like that, you can give people who don't really need anything anymore. Give it to give it to Humane Society. Give it to shelters. Give it to whomever. Puppet. Yeah, you absolutely. Know. I mean, you can you can you can gift um, stuff. You can gift uh, vouchers, or I think you can even gift adoptions um, of pets. But also, if you've got old blankets, or even new blankets, or dog toys, or if you're buying for your pet at Christmas or over New Year. You know, buy something extra and take it down to your local shelter and maybe spend time with some of the shelter pets and, you know, take some pictures of them, maybe tweet them or Facebook them for, you know, for people to adopt in the new year. We can all do our bit. Um, We can all do our bit to stop people buying puppy mill pups. We can Mm -hmm. all do our bit to promote rescue. Uh, Because at the end of the day, it's if if we don't do anything, then who is? Well, Arlie, I am so glad, and I know that you are too, that we live in a world that has a Mark the Vet and has a Chloe Collins in it. Absolutely. And, you know, again, just, you know, having the two of you on and sharing. And the beauty of the Internet is that we can share from so many different parts of the world, and that really excites me. Mm-hmm. Can we just explain where we all are? Because it's, it's Sure, i got 30 it's, seconds. It's Mark, you're? I'm in Brighton in England. I'm in Toronto, Canada. I'm in New York. (laughs) And I'm in Coquila, Mexico. Yeah, there you go. And and our producer here is in Texas. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) The power of the radio. There you go. Anyway, take care. Thank you so much. That's yeah, all right. And I just want to mention me. one thing for, for the, um, for the quick, listeners quick, seven in Canada and America. Go to Dog by Dog um, and look up their website, Dog by Dog, all about puppy mills. I will post that on, on, on the show. Thank you so much. Appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Chloe. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Arlie. Thank you so thank much. You, Good everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Shin, are you the one way to make